Um, I'm super excited for today. Um, it is uh, a week two of our series called A City Connected. So last week we kicked this off uh, with Darren Martin. And uh, today we have Dave Witt sharing with us and his wife, Allison. And then next week we have uh, Robin Waller and then uh, Marcio Silva on week four. And so what's, what's really cool and unique about each of these weeks is our guest speakers are going to be speaking about um, some ministry impact um, that they're doing in unique ways in Hamilton and how God is moving. And so it's just going to be an encouraging series to hear about that and, uh, and what they're currently involved in and, and what they're doing. Um, so last week, Darren Martin, catch up with that if you missed it. Um, it was kind of the theme was church planting, but more or less what we found out what t uh, Darren and Sarah are doing is kind of like a discerning community in Dundas. They're exploring ways how they can come alongside other churches, uh, do um, small group ministry, and just serve alongside people in Dundas, and that was really cool. And, and today we're going to be talking about uh, networking and how as churches we can network together. So um, we're going to, I'm going to invite... Uh, Dave and Allison uh, to come up right now. And then uh, just a little context for myself. Uh, this thing called True City, maybe you've not heard of it. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, I've had the privilege to um, the last three years attend the True City Conference, and uh, it's been really great to uh, get to see what that's all about and to figure out um, how this True City Network, this ethos of people coming together to collaborate and work together um, and for the good of the city. And it's been so awesome to learn more about it and, uh, and to explore it. And having Dave and Allison Witt is kind of an, ex an extension of exploring what that partnership and relationship looks like. Uh, so going to do a quick little interview with them. And then uh, Dave's going to uh, share and do some teaching with us. So... To get us started, um, could you guys introduce yourself, maybe share a little bit about your family and a little bit about yourselves? And I understand you're originally from the U.S., Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yeah. that and how you ended up in Hamilton. Yeah, well, the, the quick answer to that is I, I married an, a Canadian. Um, Allison's from, from the area here. Uh, she grew up in Dundas. Her, her family actually emigrated from, from England. Her father came to do his PhD at McMaster, stayed to be a professor of chemistry at McMaster, and so... So Allison and their family uh, are from the area. I'm originally from the Chicago area. We, we met as part of an overseas missions team uh, in Manila, the Philippines, uh, working among the urban poor. Uh, we were, got married after being there for a couple of years. Actually, my first time to Hamilton was when I got married. So, uh, and, and then after about eight years of being in the Philippines, both of our kids were born. Uh, our oldest son, Josiah, and our younger son, Micah, were both born in the Philippines. Uh, we sensed that God was, was leading us uh, into a new uh, uh, time of ministry and sensed that that had to do with Hamilton. And, and so part of that was being closer to family, but, but part of it was that, that God had done some things in our lives and had shown us um, some aspects of ministry in the Philippines that, that uh, we sensed there was something for Hamilton in what we had learned. And so that, that drew us back to, to this area, and, and we, we uh, have, have been here for the last uh, 24 years. Great. That's awesome. And how did um, being here, um, how did that help spur this idea to have churches work together and collaborate with each yeah. other? Yeah. Yeah. So I, probably one of the more powerful things we learned in the Philippines was in seeing church plants in urban poor communities uh, really have a heart for their whole community, uh, them, having them have a sense of mission 
for, for their, their community was, we saw how impactful that was. Uh, and so when we came to Hamilton, there was this live question for us of what in that um, could we see happen here in, in this city? And, and within the first couple of years, we were able to connect with, with six different churches that were uh, feeling led to be engaged beyond the walls of their church to, to have an impact in their neighborhoods. Uh, and, and we were able to be part of some of the experiments that they were doing to, to find ways to, to do that well. Uh, and, and I began to, to have this role of telling stories to these different churches of, of what I was seeing in different parts of the city. They were each in different neighborhoods. And about four years into that, uh, a few of those churches said, hey, could we get you to get out of the middle of this and just let us um, begin to, to relate to each other a bit more deeply? Could you help us do that? And that was the birth of the True City Network was these churches saying, we really want to relate to each other. We're not part of the same denomination, but we share a heart for our city and we want to figure out how we can be pursuing what's good for the city. And that took a few different uh, uh, forms. We, we realized there were some shared frontiers that churches were, were engaging in. So uh, getting to know their neighborhood schools and finding ways to be involved in schools, uh, helping with neighborhood associations, uh, coming alongside those who face mental health challenge was a big, big issue that, that we saw in the city. Uh, um, encouraging and, and supporting the arts community uh, has, has been an area of collaboration. Uh, discipleship and evangelism have been places and, and, and a shared sense of, uh, of how to pray for the city. Uh, and one that's kind of uh, gone throughout, which Allison's been uh, particularly involved in, is this idea of welcoming uh, refugees to Hamilton and, and finding ways to engage with those who, who come to, to Hamilton as refugees. That's great. And I, just to pick your brain, Allison, can you share a little bit about, more about that, kind of some of the fruitful ways churches are engaging with refugees? Yeah, I, uh, I would love to. I, I find I've had great joy in just working amongst refugees and, and in seeing churches find ways to engage that really fit who they are, because um, there's so many different ways um, over, yeah, I guess the last 15 years. What I've seen, some examples are... Um, Churches that have worked together to start a refugee shelter, a small home that um, for newly arrived refugees, um, it's the only one in Hamilton um, specifically for refugees, um, starting English classes and uh, cultural cooking groups for women um, that have been really uh, vibrant places of community and of um, helping uh, newcomers uh, gain skills that will help them settle well here. Um, Befriending Syrians. There's so many churches um, or people in churches that have really just embraced some of the Syrians that came about five years ago. Um, and now, five years later, they, they really have, um, yeah, become family for one another. Um, sponsoring refugees. Um, churches that have raised money, done tons of paperwork, and um, been really helpful for those that are stuck overseas in refugee camps or in urban centers where there is no future for them, where they, they can't go back to their home country. Um, there's um, no opportunity for them to have permanent status in the country where they um, they're currently are. And so being able to help them resettle in a country like Canada has been um, literally life-saving for them. Um, and I think most recently, 
Um, I've seen churches opening up uh, their homes, people in the churches opening up their homes if they have a spare bedroom, uh, an in-law suite in the basement. Um, there's a new initiative um, called Open Homes Hamilton um, that I've been quite connected with um, where, uh, yeah, people offer space within their home for three or four months when, when refugee claimants first arrive and we come alongside and support them in that. And uh, yeah, and I think what I've seen and what I hear is I mean, it's, more, it's quite obvious, I think, what the benefits are for newly arrived refugees um, in terms of uh, finding a place of community and friendship, which is really the church's sweet spot, I think, um, but, and providing practical and emotional spiritual support. What maybe is l less obvious and perhaps surprising is what I hear how beneficial it is for the churches as well. And so hearing about the new, new sense of... Uh, life energy that has coming for churches in that and the, um, the learning as uh, they kind of make space for people from other cultures. Um, we've seen people, you know, refugees are coming from all over the world, from Latin America, from Zimbabwe, from Nigeria, from Iran, from Iraq, we're all over the world. And as we create space for them, just learning about well, I hear people talk about learning about hospitality, like the biblical concept of welcoming the stranger that we haven't always been very good at. Um, and, and I think I, I hear people talking about this stronger, more meaningful connection to the global church, that now when they hear, um, yeah, news about what's happening in uh, places uh, like Syria or uh, like Iran or like Colombia, they're, they're connected to that and seeing how God is on the move in those places as well. Um, and I think as well, I mean, I think within the true city context, just seeing the opportunities for collaboration within that, because um, churches really have been working together in it. And so there's been a lot of sharing, you know, very practical things, churches um, sharing with one another, like where is there an Arabic dentist in Hamilton? Um, to, you know, working together on sponsorship, sharing resources, sharing volunteers, um, sharing learning, and uh, yeah, so there's a lot going on, and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's bringing life. That, that, that's incredible, and I think what's going to be neat, too, about week four in this series, so Marcio Silva from James North yes. Church, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, he's going to be speaking into that context a little bit more, because uh, I believe he, a Brazilian church started there, yes. Portuguese yeah. speaking church. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be really cool to hear more about that Absolutely. and just to see and learn about all the ways um, Hamilton is helping refugees. Um, so we'll leave it at that, if that's okay. And sure. Dave, you'll continue to share. Yeah. Um, Dave will be speaking through Nehemiah and uh, we're looking forward to that. So let me just pray for Dave um, before we get started. And I just want to invite all you guys to, after the service, if anything that was just shared uh, sparked something in you, come speak to Dave and Allison. They'd love to share more about that. So let's, let's just pray. Um, Father God, we uh, just ask that you uh, open our hearts and minds at this time to receive uh, an encouraging word from you, um, a word from you through Dave, and uh, God, as we just open um, up to Nehemiah 3 specifically and some other verses, would we just uh, be challenged and uh, would something just uh, speak true to us today about how we can learn to love others better and how we can also as a church understand the need to be connected and unified. So be with Dave at this time. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. 
It's, uh, <clears throat> it's great to, to have the chance to, to connect with you as, as a congregation. Um, I think one of the, the real joys and privileges of <clears throat> the work that I get to do is, is the opportunity to connect with different churches and to, to get a bit of a sense of how God has laid uh, different things on, on the hearts of different congregations, uh, how he gives us different pieces of the overall mission that, that he has in mind for, for our city, and, and to, uh, to see where the overlap is between, between what churches are doing and to be able to see connections happen is, is, is a real joy. So um, to, oftentimes when, when uh, people talk to me about, about True City and we get to, to looking at, at how it fits within the, the, the biblical picture, uh, that passage that was read earlier in the midst of our worship from Ephesians 4 is one that, that we often uh, go to, especially that, that verse 3 uh, in there where it talks about make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, oftentimes when, when we, we read that, we think about, well, the need to keep unity within our own congregations. And that's obviously a really important thing to do. But I think there's a further horizon to that that maybe we don't spend as much time on, which is this idea of how uh, different congregations connect with each other, how they can be uh, spurring each other on and, and be encouraging to each other. And we found over these past 18 years of, of seeing churches um, connecting to each other that, that uh, having a common sense of mission finding places where, where we can collaborate together and pursuing what's good and best for the city is a powerful way of, of building unity. Uh, it's, it's a way of operationalizing unity, if you will, because unity can be a bit of a, a, a theoretical concept for us sometimes when we think about the broader church in the city. So having tangible ways that <clears throat> we end up connecting with each other <clears throat> and, and having ways that, that we get involved with each other is, is an important thing. There's, um, there's another verse in that Ephesians 4 uh, passage, uh, a little bit further on, verse, verse 16, which says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I think that's such just a beautiful image of, of what God intends for the church to, how he intends for the church to function. That as each part does its work, uh, the whole body gets, gets built up. And that, that each part has a different, different role to play. So that, that body imagery is, is, is uh, uh, really important uh, and, and gives us a sense of direction. Um, you know, uh, it, it would be easy enough to, to dive much more deeply into Ephesians 4 and, and uh, to talk about some of what's happened with True City, but I, I felt like it would be a better uh, direction to go in to, to look at a, a, a story, uh, a bit of a narrative that, that gives us a picture of what it can look like for God's people to come together and have a shared sense of, of mission. So we're going to look at uh, a, a chapter in, in Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah is a, a book in the Old Testament, just uh, a little bit before the Psalms. There's uh, these three books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, uh, that are uh, clumped together there. And, and it, it takes place at a time when the Jewish people are um, coming out of exile. 
Uh, if, you, if you know that biblical narrative, there was a, a point in their history where, where Babylon comes in, destroys Jerusalem, and carries a bunch of the Jewish people into exile. Uh, and then after about 70 years, the, the Babylonian Empire falls to, to the Persian Empire. You know, there's just this tumult of, of the nations raging against each other. And the, the Persian Empire had a little bit different posture towards the Jewish people, and they allowed uh, the, the exiles to start to go back to rebuild Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was a mess. Uh, it had been uh, completely destroyed. And so, so, yeah, these books tell the story of those exiles going back. And, and uh, Nehemiah is picking up the story. Uh, the, after about 100 years after the first exiles went back, they went back, they, they rebuilt the temple. Uh, but, but 100 years later, you know, Jerusalem is still in disarray. It still doesn't have its wall built. Its gates are still burnt out. And, and Nehemiah is the story of, of how God uses uh, a, a powerful leader um, uh, to, to come in and stir up the people, uh, to engage uh, in, in working together for the good of Jerusalem. Uh, and, and so we, we, uh, uh, if we read through that book, uh, we, we find that Nehemiah is, is in a position of huge influence. He is the cupbearer to the king of Persia. Uh, and and you know, that might not sound like a big deal, but uh, the cupbearer was someone who was in the king's presence, regularly became a bit of a confidant, uh, maybe even an advisor. And uh, King Artaxerxes uh, had uh, Nehemiah as his cupbearer. And, and in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah gets word that things are not good uh, in Jerusalem. And so he commits to, to praying for Jerusalem. And the, the, a, a big chunk of chapter 1 is, is Nehemiah's prayer, which is a beautiful prayer of repentance and a, a pleading uh, with God that, that, that God would move on behalf of Jerusalem. And I think that's a really important thing for us to recognize that, that good mission starts in prayer and is empowered by prayer. And if you were to read Nehemiah's prayer, it's a, it's a great uh, example um, uh, for, of, of how God would have us to, to come into his presence and to, to wrestle with what God wants to do for our city. And then Nehemiah goes before the king and, and he he, uh, it, there's an interaction there where the king recognizes that something's wrong, and this is dangerous territory, uh, but, but God moves in a powerful way and allows Nehemiah to, to be able to plead with the king on behalf of Jerusalem. And not only does the king allow Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem to make a difference there, but he resources Nehemiah. And so it's a huge answer to this prayer and a good encouragement that we need to be ready to be part of the answer to the prayers that we pray. And so, so in Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, and he begins to, to look at what the situation is. Uh, there's, there's a lot of political realities that are, are, are challenging. And he does this midnight ride to assess what's going on in the city. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, he, he gathers the people, and he, he lays out the situation and what he senses God is calling them to. It says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. 
And it's it's a beautiful example of of how God can can use a godly leader to share a vision and see people come together around that. And oftentimes when people preach through the book of Nehemiah, that's really the focus is just this this pattern of godly leadership. Uh, But this morning what I want to do is is dig into chapter 3 of Nehemiah, which, yeah, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, you come to chapters where they've got names that are really hard to pronounce, you know, and, and places that you're not familiar with. And you're tempted often to kind of skip over the, those, those chapters uh, because how, how this is relevant to us can be hard to figure out. But I think there's some stuff in, in chapter 3 that, that helps us to understand how what's happening in Jerusalem, you know, 500 years before Jesus' Jesus's time, might be potentially relevant to what's happening in Hamilton in 2022. Uh, so let's uh, unpack, a, 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 we'll, we'll do a little sampling of, of some of these verses and, and get a picture of how God is calling his people to mission. How he's calling them together uh, to be on mission. So we'll start with, with start in verse one. Uh, then Eliasib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachor, the son of Emery, built. So we get this, begin to get this, this picture. You know, real people in a real place uh, with, with a sense of how they can work together for the good of their city. The high priests get involved. This isn't their normal work. They're not normally wall builders. But you know, God has given them a sense of mission. And so they join in the task of, of building the wall and setting uh, and, and repairing a gate. You know, uh, it's this, this series of names. The most, the, the, the most common phrase in this whole chapter is, and next to them. Uh, and, and I think that gives us a picture of, of what God wants, how God wants to use his church in, in, in different places at different times. Next to them, Zachor. Next to them, Merimoth. Uh, we get to verse 5. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Not exactly how you want to be remembered in Scripture, eh? Yeah, um, and it just shows that not everybody gets involved in the way that God is moving in a particular time and place. The, the nobles of the Tekoites consider themselves uh, be, you know, above this, this uh, work of repairing the wall, and so they don't participate. Uh, you know, if, we, if we go to, to verse 8, next to them, Uzel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to him, Raphael, the son of Hur, ruler of half the districts of Jerusalem, repaired. You know, so goldsmiths and perfumers and rulers of half the districts, of, they're all getting involved in this, this mission. So it's, it's, it's something that they've caught a vision for that's beyond what they normally do. Uh, and so... So uh, day by day, they're working together. Uh, yeah, and and each, each of them is, is uh, getting a different part of the wall to, to rebuild. So they have to get to know their section of, of the wall, uh, assess what needs to be done to it, and, and begin to, to make those repairs. 
You know, verse 10 says, next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Haramph, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Atush, the son of Hasabai, repaired. You know, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of how people who knew those different sections of the wall could begin to, to be engaged in it. I think there's a, a slide here that, that has a little bit of a, a, a picture of a, a map of Jerusalem and the ways that, that one by one these guys were, were repairing the wall. So you see uh, just lots of names, little different, different colors, uh, and, and the ways that, that, that together... They're, they're doing this, this very spread out work around the whole of, of their city. And so uh, if we were to go through the whole of chapter 3, we come to, to verse 32 where it says, And between the room and above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made their repairs. So we've come all the way around the whole of the city, and now we have merchants and goldsmiths repairing on the other side of the sheep gate. It's, it's people who've come together for the good of their city. And I would contend that God calls um, his people to mission in every time and in every place. And he calls us to be on mission together. You know, place and time matter. So the mission looks different at different times and different places. We're not being called in Hamilton to go out and build a wall around the city. Uh, that was for a different time and a different place, but was absolutely vital um, to, to what was, was needed in their city. I think asking the question, what is necessary for the full flourishing of this place where we are uh, helps us to realize what mission looks like. You know, what's God's intention for Hamilton? That, that will begin to, to point us to the things that, that we should be involved in. And, and what part of that does God lay on our heart individually and collectively? Um, how, how is our congregation being called to participate? And how do we connect with others that are doing that? What, what is consistent between these different times and places is that God's concerned with the breadth of participation. So it's not just supposed to be a few individuals, but it's to be the whole body of Christ. You know, God's people together engaged. And the quality of the relationships between those who are involved matters deeply. You know, so keep, make every effort to keep the unity of the faith. You know, to, to, uh, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That, that quality of relationship makes a huge difference. And it's how we pay attention to how God's on the move in our midst. Where, where do we see God uh, making a difference in our city? So the same values, different tasks, done differently by different people in different places. In, in Jerusalem, uh, at this time, it was building a wall. What is it for us here now? If we continue on in, in Nehemiah, in chapter 4, they, they face uh, opposition. There's people that aren't happy that they're building this wall, and they, they threaten to come against them. Uh, in, in, ver, in, in chapter 4, we read, the work, uh, Nehemiah saying to the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. And I think this, this uh, points to the fact that it's really good for God's people to come together um, and to get a sense of what are the dangers that we face and how can we respond? And also, what can we be celebrating together? You know, how do we, how do we recognize God's presence in our midst? You know, so uh, 
for within the, the True City Network, one of the ways that we've begun to, you know, that we've over the years come together is we have this conference, uh, usually at the end of February. This year was the end of April. But, but we, we have a conference once a year where it's a time that people can come together, can share stories of how we've seen God on the move in our different parts of the city, uh, can worship together can pray together, can get a sense of, of how do we collaborate? How do we join in, in mission together? In chapter 5, Nehemiah stops the work uh, on the wall because he, he's told he, uh, the, the poor uh, in the city come to him and say, we are being sold into slavery by the, by the nobles, so we can't help with the wall. And, and Nehemiah stops the building because, because he, he recognizes uh, that, that God is on the side of the poor, that God cares deeply about what's happening to the poor, to those who are on the margins. And so he says, you know, we're gonna, we're, building the wall won't do us any good if this is the, the way in which we're interacting with the poor among us. And so the no, he, he, he confronts the nobles on that, and they, they repent of, of this. Uh, and, the, and then the wall, wall continues on. But it's a good alert for us that paying attention to those on the margins and making them the center of our concern is a, is a vital part of what mission should look like in any time and in any place. In chapter 6, they complete the wall. 52 days, less than two months, they've, they've built this, this new wall uh, around, around Jerusalem. And and it's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing feat, uh, not necessarily because of how great a wall it was, but because it, uh, how God's people came together to see it get done. For, so their task was dispersed across the city. I'd say that our task in Hamilton is also dispersed. We have different places that, that we're called to be involved in different ways that, that we do that. And, and if their task was to build a wall, maybe we could frame our task in terms of neighborhood building. How do we be interested and concerned about the different neighborhoods that, that uh, we're a part of here in Hamilton? And wouldn't it be an amazing thing if we could write a Nehemiah 3-like uh, um, book that says, here's what's happening across the city. Here's, here's how the church is involved across the city of Hamilton. And that's been some of the way that, that I'd say we've been learning to, to think as, as a network of churches. That's, that's some of what God's laid on the heart of this, this network of churches. You know, True City started with, with three churches uh, coming together. It grew to, to six or seven within, uh, to, you know, six within the first year. Another church joined after that. It's, it's grown to be uh, 13 churches that are in partnership with each other, another uh, up to 25 that have been involved in that network uh, over this, this past 18 years. I think we've got a slide in there that's, that's kind of a picture of, of Hamilton. You probably can't see this very well, but, but what, what's there is, is some of the neighborhood names, okay? So, and, and I find that that's a, a helpful way for us to, to, to think about what's happening in the city. So, you know, West Side's here in the Ainsley Wood neighborhood, you know, and, and that's not a neighborhood that I know a lot about, a, a, a lot of what's happening, but it's, it's really encouraging for me to hear that West Side has that sense of mission for for the west end of Hamilton, for, for Dundas, for Ancaster. You know, um, you know, if we were to talk about downtown, there's churches like Philpott Memorial Church and New City Church and, 
and Eucharist church that, that all have, are, are looking for different ways to be engaged in, in that part of the city. You know, there was an art crawl this weekend. You know, we're back to, to having art crawls. And that's uh, a good, an encouraging sign that, that you know, we're, we're getting back to some of the things that, that were part of our lives before. But, you know, how, how are these different churches involved with the arts community in the city, the political leadership in the city, the, the commercial leadership, you know, uh, with the poor? Um, uh, Philpott has, has had, an, um, there's really beautiful stories of the way that Philpott Memorial over these last couple of years has, has come uh, uh, has, has really made themselves available to some of the poor in the downtown core. You know, but we could, we could move there to, to the North End. That's the neighborhood that I live in. Um, and, and talk about James Street North uh, Baptist Church, and, uh, which used to be Houston Street, and, and the work that, that they're doing, you know, affordable housing that they've built and soccer leagues that they run for kids. But there's also other uh, things happening in the North End. Some of the, the downtown meeting house folks that, that are, are, are involved there and, and uh, a small Anglican prayer community um, at St. Luke's that that's started. And they're each holding a little bit different piece we could go neighborhood by neighborhood and talk about that. You know, the Ralston neighborhood on the mountain where Emmanuel CRC has been finding ways to be in partnership with neighbor to neighbor to make a difference in the lives of those who've been pushed to the margins in that neighborhood. Um, community gardens and, and uh, um, affordable housing questions. Uh, or, you know, we could, we could talk about the Kirkendale and Durand neighborhood where, you know, Blessings Church has started a community fr- uh, refrigerator as a way to, to care for, for people in their neighborhood. And where just a little, a couple blocks over, First Hamilton Christian Reform Church has been wrestling with what indigenous justice looks like and how they can be involved in that. And we could, we could talk about the Gibson neighborhood where 541 eatery and exchanges. I, you know, I, I don't know if you've had the chance to, to, to be there and have buttons. I know it's been a few years since that's happened. But, but it's, a, it's another place where there's, there's a, a, a group of God's people who are asking the question of what's good for our neighborhood and so on. And so we could go. And there's organizations in the city that are trying to do, do things to, to come along, uh, to partner with churches to make, make a difference. You know, uh, organizations like Indwell that are doing things with affordable housing. I share an office with an organization called Arasha that cares deeply about environmental stewardship. You know, what's creation care look like? And how do churches get involved in those things? And all of this are pieces of, of what God is on the move doing in, in our city. You know, and, and it's not something that, that Westside should be like, I'm not saying you should be involved in all of those things. Right? You have your piece of this mission to do. Uh, and discerning what that is and how to, to, to do that is an important, an important piece. And just want to encourage you in that. But being connected to the rest of the city, knowing how God is on the move in different places and celebrating that um, and praying for that, that is something that I think you can, can be involved in powerful ways. You see, there's a sweet spot the Spirit seeks to lead us to at the intersection of mission and unity. Uh, when, when, and, and it's not an easy sweet spot to get to, right? Uh, because... Um, 
You know, understanding and engaging mission can take all of our energy at points. It can feel overwhelming. Uh, uh, it's really important uh, then to be in relationship with others, but being in relationship with other churches isn't always easy either. I don't know if you've noticed that, but churches don't always get along with each other. You know? um, so, so churches coming into relationship with each other where they not only can tolerate their differences, but they can recognize that those differences actually may be the strengths that, that, that are needed to see God's kingdom come to this, this place. So when we are able to get to that sweet spot, the times that we get to mission and unity together, what I've seen is that it changes us. It, it takes us deeper in our walk with Jesus. It amplifies the gospel. You know, people aren't able to explain how, people, how these churches that are different are able to work together, and it leads to questions. Uh, why would you care about refugees in the city or those facing mental health challenges? And what leads you to, to spend yourself in that? And it, it gives us opportunities to share why Jesus matters to us, that Jesus is the one leading us to that. And it glorifies God. You know, so that's, that's the, the beauty of, of seeing mission and unity happen, uh, that, that you know, the True City Network has been aiming and learning about uh, as we went. Just to go back for a second to Ephesians chapter 4, in verses 12 and 13, uh, it says that we're called to be equipping his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith. You know, so, so it is in the process of being equipped for works of service that unity comes to be a vibrant witness to who God is and what he's doing in the city. So I would just encourage you in your mission and challenge you to, to be more connected, um, to, be, uh, to, to find ways to, to, to learn about what God's up to in the city. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that you call us to join you in what you are doing uh, in our city, that, there, that you, you have a deep desire, a deep intention for the good of our city, for the full flourishing of Hamilton, that, that, that there's uh, a way of life that we can come to that, that reflects your heart for the city, that you've made possible by what you did on the cross, um, that, that you empower through your spirit, we pray that we would be open to that, that we would be open to the part that you've called us into and that you would, would use us uh, to, to be a witness to our city of the reality of who you are and your intention for us to know uh, your kingdom. Thank you for Westside and for the part that you've given them to play. Uh, and thank you for the ways that, that you are at work across our city through different churches and different places. We just commit ourselves to you in your name. Amen.